Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish in the Blue Gold Game on Saturday. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at 960 a.m. Also at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. The Twitch app has a video feed of our studio going as of right now. Hope you're having a terrific Thursday, April the 20th of 2023. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on our program, which is only on the air until 545 due to South Bend Cubs baseball. Is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Bethel University, adult and graduate studies, visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Well, we've got a lot of topics to get to in a short amount of time. We've got former Fighting Irish quarterback Evan Sharpley joining me in about oh, 15 minutes to discuss what the transition has been like for Sam Hartman who is making that move, of course, from Wake Forest to Notre Dame, learning a brand-new offense, playing from under center. A lot of things go into making that transition, so we'll talk to Evan about that coming up in just a little bit. 
But let's begin the program by passing along some of the details that we found out today about the Blue Goal game. The end of spring football for the Fighting Irish on Saturday. They'll play their annual spring game at Notre Dame Stadium. We will have our pregame coverage starting at 1.30. The game begins at 2 o'clock, and I'm thrilled to announce that an old friend and an old colleague's rejoining me for the Blue Goal game on Saturday. He is Eric Hansen, who co-hosted Sportsbeat for 10 years. He's going to join me in the broadcast booth. Coming up Saturday, now in charge of Inside Notre Dame Sports. So looking forward to talking Notre Dame football with Mr. Hansen coming up Saturday here on WSBT Radio. First off, what is the Blue Goal game going to have in terms of rules? Well, here is what Marcus Freeman told us today. The scoring format, hallelujah, is standard. Not four points for an interception and... 10 points for this and 4 points for that. No golf Stableford scoring system. It's just going to be a standard scoring format like we saw last year. There will be 15-minute quarters once again for the blue goal game. At least half is going to be with the running clock, which we have seen for years. The second half gets moving along rather quickly. Teams cannot pressure more than once Every four downs in quarters one through three. So you're not going to see the defense peeling their ears back and coming after the quarterbacks. They can once every four plays. Other than that, it is a standard pass rush in the ballgame. Also, something that we have seen in the past, there will not be any kickoffs. The ball will be... Placed down at the 35-yard line to start a possession after a score. Punt returns will be live in the Blue Goal game, so we will see a little special teams action. We'll see extra points, field goals, and punt returns. Now, a lot of players are dinged up at this time. This game doesn't mean anything, so a lot of players will be on the sideline. Now, we're only going to talk about scholarship players right now but these are the scholarship players that are not going to play in the game they're in alphabetical order there is no real order other than alphabetical here not putting preference over anybody but here are the players that will not participate in Saturday's blue goal game we've got tight end Kevin Bauman offensive tackle Ty Chan running back Logan Diggs he has been bothered by a lower body injury for about a month, no reason to take any chances in the blue goal game, so we will not see Logan Diggs in this contest. Also not playing in the blue goal game due to injury, tight end Mitchell Evans, cornerback Christian Gray, the newcomer from Oklahoma State, safety, probably a guy that'll spend some time playing nickel this year, Thomas Harper will not participate in the game. Also cornerback Cam Hart, defensive tackle, Devin Houston, linebacker, Jack Kaiser, linebacker, Prince Colley, safety, Ben Minich, also not playing, tight end, Eli Reardon, safety, Adon Schuler, and running back, Jadarian Price, who had a big blue goal game last year. But, of course, last summer, tore his Achilles, needed surgery, 
and is still working his way back to a full-time role on this squad. It sounds like in the summer he'll be a full go, but no Jadarian Price in the Blue Gold game. So that's a list of the scholarship players that will not be participating in this year's Blue Gold game. So a draft was held earlier today. You've got the Blue Squad and the Gold Squad. The Blue roster, the head coach, is running back coach Dylan McCullough. They've got three quarterbacks on their roster. The blue team will feature Tyler Buckner, along with the early enrollee freshman, Kenny Minchie. And I still have not gotten the pronunciation yet on the newcomer young quarterback that's been added to this roster. I'm going to check my email again to see if I've gotten a response. And I have not as of yet. But we'll just go with Dylan Devezin, D-E-V-E-Z-I-N, is a guy that probably will play on both sides of the football in the second half in the blue goal game. They only list one running back for the blue team, and that is Audric Estime. We know he will not play long in this game, so more than likely you'll have some walk-ons carrying the football in the second half. The wide receiving core, Buckner, Heck, just throw it every time. He's got a very interesting group of players to throw to. The blue team wide receivers, not a bad fantasy roster. Chris Tyree making that transition from running back, feeling very comfortable there. You've got the sophomore to be, Tobias Merriweather. Could be a starter. How about Dion Colsey? Rico Flores, Jr.? Braylon James, another freshman. And finally, Henry Cook. But Tyree, Merriweather, Colsey, Flores, James, let's go run and shoot. Where's June Jones? We'll put five wide receivers out there and just wing it around the parking lot for a little while. Holden Stays is the main tight end for the blue team. Their offensive line is spearheaded by Blake Fisher. The other tackle probably is going to be Tosh Baker. On the defensive side of the football for the blue team, you've got the veteran Riley Mills, Nana Osafa Mensa, Jason Onye among the players on that side. At linebacker, you've got Marist Leofau, and then you've got Nolan Ziegler, the freshman Drake Bowen. The cornerbacks for the blue team, they're in pretty good shape with Clarence Lewis and Benjamin Morrison and D.J. Brown is one of two safeties. Now, the gold team will be coached by defensive line coach Al Washington at the draft today. Sam Hartman and Steve Angeli are the quarterbacks on the gold team. And, of course, last year at the Blue Gold game, it came down to one final play. Angeli will take the snap. Five on the clock. He rolls to his left. He pumps. He'll run to the five, to the pylon. He dives. Touchdown! Steve Angeli as time expires. A 10-yard touchdown <laughs> run. He reached the ball out. It hit the pylon. Then he lost control of it. But the official on the near side says touchdown. And the gold team that trailed the entire day pulls out the win. 13 to 10. Low scoring game, but a good finish as Angeli had that touchdown. He was the MVP of last year's Blue Goal game. Now he is teammates with the newcomer, Sam Hartman. Hartman and Angeli will have Jabron Payne to hand the football off to. 
The wide receiving core, Lorenzo Styles, will play corner and receiver. He's joined by the veteran Matt Salerno, Jaden Thomas, and Jaden Greathouse. The one tight end for the gold team is the handyman. He can play fullback and tight end, Davis Sherwood. Offensive line for the gold team, the All-American candidate, Joe Alt, spearheads that group along with starting center, Zeke Carell. Of note, three guys in a battle for guard positions on the same team, Michael Carmody, Billy Shrout, and Rocco Spindler. On defense for the gold team, the newcomer from Ohio State, Javante Jean-Baptiste, with Jordan Patello and Howard Cross up front. The linebackers, J.D. Bertrand and Jalen Sneed, leads that group. The corners, Jaden Mickey and Chance Tucker with the safeties, Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson. So that is a look at the rosters for the Blue Goal game Saturday, a game that you can hear on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts at 1.30, and we will get our contest underway Oh, at about 2 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, 518 is our time. Let's sneak in our Twitter question of the day. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. On yesterday's program, We told you about our Twitter question of the day, which was available on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. The question was, as of right now, who do you think the face of the Notre Dame defense is? Four choices. Benjamin Morrison, the young corner with the six interceptions last year. You've got J.D. Bertrand, the linebacker, cornerback, Cam Hart, and I gave you a fourth choice. There isn't like that Manti Teo name on the defense right now. Your fourth choice was there really isn't a face of the defense as of yet. Well, here are the results. Cam Hart, the corner, got 1.8% of the vote. I'll bet you before last year he would have gotten a lot more of the tallies. Coming in third place, 19.3%. It seems like he's been here forever. Linebacker, J.D. Bertrand. Second place in the voting for who is the face of the Notre Dame defense. No one yet came in second place, 28.1% of the votes. And getting over half the votes, six picks, three and one game. That'll do it. Sophomore to be cornerback, Benjamin Morrison wins the vote easily at 50.9%, and I can't disagree with the majority. We thank you for voting. We've got a new question rolling this afternoon. You can vote now, tonight, in the morning, early afternoon. Just go to my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. The question for today, which of these Notre Dame early enrollees are you most looking forward to seeing play in Saturday's Blue Goal game? So again, which of these Notre Dame early enrollees are you most looking forward to seeing in the blue goal game? Choice number one, wide receiver, Rico Flores, Jr. The second person you can vote for is wide receiver, Jaden Greathouse. And choice number three, 
the quarterback, Kenny Minchie. So which of these Notre Dame early enrollees are you most looking forward to seeing play in the blue goal game? Wide receivers, Rico Flores Jr., Jaden Greathouse, or the quarterback, Kenny Minchie. We'll let you vote, then we'll come back tomorrow and tabulate the votes and pass those votes along to you. And we'll have a, another question ready to roll on Friday. It is 522 at WSBT. I'm going to step aside for a moment. When I return, I'll bring back with me former Irish quarterback Evan Sharpley. We'll talk to Evan about the importance of the blue goal game for a player and also the transition that Sam Hartman is going through right now coming from Wake Forest to this Notre Dame offense. Hope you'll stick around. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Scattered showers and storms become likely tonight as a cold front moves through the area. Overnight lows drop to 47. For Friday, a 30% chance of showers mainly in the morning, otherwise mostly cloudy with a high of 60. A chance of scattered rain for Saturday and much cooler with a high of 47. 45 for Sunday with a slight chance of a rain-snow mix. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Weppler. Well, I can't believe it's almost been 20 years since this guy wore number 13 for the Fighting Irish football team. Quarterback Evan Sharpley, the pride of Michigan, who played for the Fighting Irish football team and baseball team, enjoyed a nice minor league career as well. And now, one of his big accomplishments, he is a part of the Varsity Brews podcast, which I've been a part of. It's a great concept. Have a beverage, talk football. Sign me up. But the problem is, when you read about the podcast, the hosts talk college football and craft beer. Live guests include current players to former football legends. I'm not sure I really classify to be a part of this particular podcast, but I sure did enjoy it last fall. That's for sure. Evan Sharpley joins me here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Can you add on, like, washed-up has-been broadcasters to the line of your podcast? Yeah, I mean- has it, has it really been 20 years? And also, too, I mean, I'm in, I'm not in the category of legend either, unless we're talking like campus legend or something like that. But it is, it is a very, it is a very fun podcast to chill at West Wind Brewery and taste some beers and eat some food and talk ball. I mean, we have, we have a great time. We love having you on. Uh, we'd love to get you back on here soon yeah. too. But it's yeah, it's been, it's been a blast so far doing that. And you can only find out from Evan why he was a campus legend by reading his book that will come out years down the line. The rest of that is top (laughs) secret at this particular time. Well, I always say this. Evan is my second favorite quarterback of all time, and I always enjoy talking football with you. And the football team's getting ready for the blue goal game on Saturday. Might be a little rainy, temperatures in the high 40s, but it is one final chance to get out on the field this spring. I guess it would be different for a player, your importance of this game, considering if you're young and old. How did you take a look at the Blue Goal game and its importance? Well, you know, for me, I mean, it it was a lot of fun to get out there. You know, it's the end of spring practice. and It it was a little bit different for me, Darren, you know, because I was in baseball season at that point, so I was doing a little bit of both. Um, But, you know, it it still is an opportunity to go out there and compete and, and, and kind of showcase what you have in front of the Notre Dame faithful. 
um, you know, what I try to do is really temper my expectations now that I'm on the opposite side of it and seeing what the team is doing because it is so difficult. You know, you're not there day in and day out seeing what these players are doing. Um, you know, the example I use is, you know, I threw for more yards in a game than Brady Quinn did. Did that mean that I meant, you know, I deserve <laughs> to be the starting quarterback? Well, in my own head, yeah, probably. And that's a good thing because that's what you want your players to be thinking. But at the same time, I mean, you have to take it with a grain, uh, you know, a grain of salt and and kind of, uh, you know, decipher through and filter through what is what is real. Um, and so you want the guys, there'd be big red flags. And this is what I tell people all the time is, if, if there's a poor product on the field, um, you know, I, I think there's some red flags there. You know, if they go out there and kind of do what you expect, um, you have a good competitive game, that, that's a positive. Um, for the young guys, you know, who maybe are two or three on the depth chart, I think it's maybe a little bit of a different approach because it's your opportunity now. You maybe haven't played in a year or two, you know, since being – you know, an All-American and, and being the top dog at your high school. Um, so, you know, you're maybe in a position to go out there and showcase your skills a little bit more. So uh, it's it, it's a positive. But, again, Darren, I, I don't hang too much – personally, I don't hang too much of my opinion on what the fall will look like based on how the spring is because there's still a lot of development that's going to need to take place over the summer and obviously developing that identity once you get to fall camp. You know, naming starters, all those things, there's still a lot that's going to be determined. But it's still, I, I think it's kind of a feather in the cap of a lot of hard work that's, that's gone through the spring and even prior to that, you know, through the winter months where you've got a lot of time you're spending in the weight room and, you know, 5 a.m. wake-up calls and doing conditioning drills. This is kind of the culmination of all of that, which is, is still a lot of fun for the guys. Evan Sharpley, former Irish quarterback, my guest here on WSBT Radio. This might be a tough question, but you're a quarterback, and I think all quarterbacks wants to want to call their own plays at some point. So we went through the Tommy Reese era calling plays, and the offense was pretty good, but I still think there's another level that they have to get to to be a championship-level football team, and Jared Parker now takes over. If you were able to offer a couple of tidbits or maybe even pretend you're the offensive coordinator – are there a couple of things that you would add to this offense or tweak from what Tommy Reese did the last couple of years to what needs to happen in 2023? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's such a difficult – it really is a difficult question. A good question, Darren. You know, tough question to, to answer. You know, as far as – because, you know, the Jimmys and Joes a lot of times kind of yeah. – they define what your X's and O's can – what they can be. Um, but at the same time, the guys and we'll use Tommy Reese as an example, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, whether you liked him, you didn't, whether you liked him as the offensive coordinator, didn't, um, you know, he did some great things for the offense and he still was recruiting a lot of those players too. So, um, it's kind of a double-edged sword because now you could say, well, he's upgrading and going to Alabama with, you know, a different caliber of player, but he still was recruiting those guys at Notre Dame. So those were his guys. Um, so I mean, to answer that, that, that question specifically, you know, I, I'm really going to be looking at this offensive line, to be quite honest with you. I know there's a new offensive coordinator, but I still think the biggest hole, in my opinion, on the offensive side is losing Harry Eastan. Um, and so I think there's got to be a lot of focus on what that offensive line is able to do. You know, certainly a lot of attention with Sam Hartman at quarterback. Um, and, and I think that that quarterback room is strong right now. Um, but, you know, offensively, if you can control line of scrimmage, they've got a great group of running backs. If you can establish the run, 
and then be able to play action pass down the football field. You know, there's going to be some guys um, in, in the wide receiver group that are going to have to step up. And if you lose, you know, you, you lose a tight end like like Michael Mayer, and you looked at last year and some big moments, where were they going to? They were going to him. So um, they're going to have to be, I think, less one-dimensional in the mm-hmm. fact that they can't rely maybe on one specific player um, and, and really be a little more balanced. And, and, I mean, if you're an offensive coordinator, <laughs> that's what your goal is. I mean, that's what you'd like to be, um, and that's not always the case. So I, I think if you're able to establish the run, um, it's going to open up some things in the passing game where some guys can develop. It does help a lot um, having a very experienced and veteran quarterback um, who's been around the game, uh, who's had some success, uh, I think that really lends for some stability. If that wasn't the case, Darren, I think that there'd be a lot more concern on the offensive side, uh, but that's kind of where it stands right now. Evan, at Wake Forest, Sam Hartman ran the slow mesh offense, called the plays at the line of scrimmage, was out of the shotgun unless the team was in victory formation. He comes to South Bend where at times he might call plays at the line and be in the shotgun, but also this is an offense where the quarterback is under center and they huddle. Is that something the average Joe takes for granted that it does take a little time for even an established quarterback like Sam to get a good feel for handling those chores in an offense? Well, you know, again, I think, it, you know, it lends to his maturity. I think it'll be okay. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. Um, you know, he probably would prefer, and, and if you pulled 10 quarterbacks, probably nine of the 10 would say they'd love to go no huddle, <laughs> call plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, I really do hope that they give him a little bit of leeway. Um, I think he's earned it at this point. I think, you know, for this offense, and maybe this is a good answer for your previous question is, you know, for this offense to maybe take the next step, is it a guy like Sam Harmon who has that experience where they can let him call some plays and make some um, some changes at the line of scrimmage that maybe in the past a coach is going to have to sign off on that. And, you know, the pro game, you look at the pro game versus the college game, at least in my experience, and I know this is probably pretty consistent, you know, the reins are somewhat tight <laughs> for the quarterback <laughs> position at the college level. Um, where these these coaches, you know, they want to make sure that you're in the right call um, and you have to prove that. So I think, you know, a guy who's been in systems, he understands the game of football. um, It's going to be giving him the reins to a certain extent to be able to make some calls at the line of scrimmage, whether that's under center, um, whether that's in shotgun, you know, I think that that, those are just going to be a little more semantics than it really being a big deal. But um, you always kind of have that in your back pocket where you can go no huddle, you can speed up the tempo. That was one reason why I really liked going um, out of shotgun and being able to do those things was because you kind of felt that sense of urgency mm-hmm. uh, versus maybe huddling every play. And I think a lot of that will have to do with what is the identity of this offense going to come down to, um, and will they be able to morph back and forth between those, those two things. I would assume, Evan, it is a challenge to – I guess there's no better way to put this. Forget everything that you were taught at Wake Forest in terms of terminology and throw that in the trash can, recalibrate because you have to learn all the Notre Dame terminology. Is that one thing that could slow down the execution of the offense is getting that terminology down and then knowing where to go with the football? Here's what I'd say on that, Darren. I mean, if we're talking about a guy who's been at a program for one or two years um, and then is transferring into Notre Dame, I'd be a lot more worried. 
um, kind of how I understand it, you know, it took me learning an offense is kind of like learning a language uh, that, that might be a little excessive. It's probably harder to learn a language than it is uh, terminology for football. But that was kind of the example I looked at was, you know, I went from in high school, you know, red, right, 883 to, you know, zero out slot alert, FIP, jab 36, sub Z swing. <laughs> you know, that was a run play. And we, we'd have, a, you know, we'd have alerts even on that where the play could be longer. Um, and there were, you know, certain times in my freshman year during camp where the coach would tell me the play, I'd walk in the huddle and I'd have, I, there's no way I could recite the play back. Mm. Um, but once you've been in it and, and how I approach it, even to this day, and I'm not, you know, I'm not associated with, and I, I don't call plays. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I still occasionally train quarterbacks, but it's much more fluid once you have a full grasp on coverages, protections, um, all of those things. So when I got to my fourth year, you know, if, let's say if I were to, if I were, if I would have transferred after my senior year and done a grad transfer, I think the learning curve for me would have been much easier because at that point it just becomes interchangeable words and phrases. You understand what the parts actually do. So are you blocking to the weak side on this? Who has the protection on a hot? Um, so, you know, certainly there's, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but I think because he has that, that vast knowledge over time, the learning curve goes way, way down. So I'm not as worried on that. And you better believe that, you know, him getting in there early, mm -hmm. being here in the spring, going through a summer, then a fall, like this is going to be what his seventh install for a fall. I'm probably exaggerating, right? But you know, that's, it's, that's a lot of installs. So I think the learning curve would, would go way down on that. I'd be much more concerned if, if it was a guy who was at another school for a year or two and then tried to transfer in. Think back to the Gator Bowl, Tyler Buckner. He made some really impressive plays, and there were some plays that didn't go so well, including the interception return for a touchdown when the Irish were down in the red zone. I, I, I tell you what, he, he did a lot for me considering the rust I assume he had sitting out most of the year due to the shoulder surgery, hadn't played since game two, and I thought he handled himself pretty well. What is your perception of Tyler Buckner. There always seems to be somebody standing in his way from being the full-time long-term starter of this football team. And I think that's going to continue. If I'm being very honest, yep. I think you'll see Sam Hartman as the quarterback. I think, you know, Buckner brings, he brings a flavor to the offense uh, that can be used at certain times. And I'm, I'm not going to say that this is a two quarterback system. I don't think it is. I don't think it necessarily is going to be, but you know, if the offense is getting need a spark, you know that you have a guy who can go in there and make some athletic plays. Um, he showcased that time and again. You know, I think maybe the concern is is it is he going to be a guy where it's you know two throwing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and two pick sixes. You know, I mean, is that going to be what what we we know from him? So if he's you know if he's able to be used in certain situations. Um, and maybe look back to like a Brandon Winbush in the red zone type of package for him. I don't know if that's going to be what this offense decides to do, um, but he certainly has a skill set that I think can be used at specific times. But, you know, if I'm, even though I'm on the outside looking in on this, I still see Sam Hartman as the, as the starting quarterback and as needed. Um, if the offense does need some type of spark, I think you have a very good number two who can come in and provide something a little bit different. Well, 
fans might remember when you played, Charlie Weiss was the head coach, now Marcus I, I Freeman. They, I hope they don't remember when I <laughs> <laughs> Now Marcus Freeman is the head coach. I'll say this. I was not in the locker room. I can only base my comments on the reaction of players and the reaction of the football team. But when this team started 0-2 last year with a rookie head coach, things could have went a heck of a lot worse than it did the rest of the way. Marcus Freeman got this football team turned around, and I think he still had the locker room. These players respect him. Without necessarily going down the road of your past, but how important is it to have a great leader in the head coach's chair? Yeah, I mean, there's there's one thing that's always been said about Marcus Freeman. It's been, he's you know, he's been a player's coach, and you know, it hit the fan early last year, Darren. Yeah. Um, and I think there are a lot of people concerned, and, and certainly the season could have gone a much different way than it did. Um, I'm sure, and I'm, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of Marcus Freeman, but, you know, I'm sure he matured as a head coach last year, and there probably were some tough conversations. And, you know, when he got hired, everything was sunshine and roses. You know, there was a lot of celebration, and the program was moving in this, this new and, and, and kind of fresh um, you know, mentality, there was that type of feel. Um, and then you lose to Marshall and that'll wake you up real quick. Hmm. I mean, um, it, it certainly will. So it, it does. Um, I'm really curious. Uh, I think that, you know, former players and obviously fans too, you know, their ears are very perked right now as to what does year two look like? Um, because this is an important year um, as far as where the, this program wants to go long-term. Um, you know, obviously Freeman and his staff, they've, they've committed to the recruiting and I think what the current space of that looks like. Um, but obviously you're going to have to go out there, you're going to have to win football games. So, you know, f- finishing the way that they did, uh, I think was important. Building some quote unquote momentum and whether or not that's real or not um, going into the off season. Uh, you know, but as we get closer and we inch closer and closer to, uh, you know, fall and get closer to football games, I mean, there's going to be a, obviously a major focus on wins and losses on, on Saturday. So they do have a great leader. I, I've been very impressed with Freeman and, and how he responded. Again, we're going to see what happens here in year two as far as maturing a head coach. I got to believe he learned a lot last year, a yeah. lot, because it's way different, you know, being a coordinator and now you're, now, now you're the guy full time, um, and he's been pretty transparent, which I think you know is unique as a head coach. Uh, I'd say for a long time, you usually get you know very political uh, discourse. I think he was pretty transparent on where they were, and you know sometimes maybe that wasn't a good <laughs> thing for him to do. I don't yeah. know, um, but at the at the same time, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of attention from everybody on what this year is going to look like. I've got 15 seconds for your final answer. Your longest pass play at Notre Dame was 43 yards. Who was it to? <laughs> uh, Golden Tate. Oh, that's not a bad Robin choice. Paris. <laughs> not was a bad choice. I don't know. I just saw 43 yards, but I don't have any other information. You could have said rocket. I would have believed you at this point. So, we'll... I, Yeah, I think it's Golden Tate. All right, we'll go with Golden Tate then. Hey, Sharp, good to be with you. Thank you so much for doing this, and hopefully we can talk a little football again really soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Darren. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, you too. Thank you. 
Former Irish quarterback Evan Sharpley joining me here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Bee, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you Barnaby's, the family inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. That's going to do it for Sports Beat. South Bend Cubs baseball in one minute on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 